Welcome to the bandwidth. Here at the Band Arbitrage Network, we combine data and experience to help you understand the world of collectible finance. I'm Father Ken. Thanks for joining us today here on the bandwidth. We have some amazing things to talk about today. Number one on our list is the pioneer movements that continue to happen. We're watching new sets come out. We're watching old pioneer decks evolve with new cards. And we're also thinking about long-term holds. Where would you sink in some money? Maybe you need to to land some money into a long-term hold. We'd like to talk about that as well. Today, we have Wit and Wolf joining us. How are you guys? Doing good, doing good. Um, exhausting weekend. Had an engagement party, had a birthday party. That's my birthday party. Easter, all the other good stuff. So uh, yeah, it's been exhausting, but uh, feeling good. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, I just I've just been sleeping. I've been having fun. Very relaxing for me. But uh, no, none of the festivities are planning on my end. I, I get to uh, I get to coast through this period of the year. Hold on, hold on. I heard that you were actually having a, a peep fight this weekend. Yes, yes. My <laughs> my wife loves. I I had no idea this was a thing until I met her and. Uh, yeah. It, by the way, thank you for the advice with the s'mores. She she is very excited to do that. Um, mm. The moment I told her, she she lit right up. She's like, "That sounds delicious." Um, but yeah, no, we we were putting peeps in the microwave and and seeing gladiatorial style who was the winner. Um, uh, that was fun. And then apparently, as as we found out, apparently peeps were originating in this exact part of Pennsylvania where we now live. So. She also got a kick out of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they're oh, still made here too. Yeah. You know the proper way to eat. You know how you know what the true proper way to eat peeps is, right? No. Throw them in the trash. No. <laughs> so I'm going to share with you the same advice that I gave Wolf. All right. Take that peep, put it on the end of a stick, and roast it. And then grab those Girl Scout cookies, you know, the, the shortbread ones with, with the chocolate already on them. Use that as a sandwich. Yeah. It's like eating a caramel marshmallow. I'm just going to stick with my S'moreos, you know, Oreos <laughs> with... Uh, you guys can enjoy your peeps. Ugh. Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of on the same vein as you there, with, but I have absolutely zero sweet tooth. To, to the chagrin of, of most, most of really just the women around me. Uh, I'll eat salt mm. until I have cardiac arrest, but the sugar, I'll have two or three, and then I'll be like, all right, I'm good for another six months. I do enjoy watching them blow up in the microwave. They're, that is very satisfying. Yeah. And then that cleaning was... the microwave. <laughs> Worth it. I'm, tell, Worth it for I'm the telling experience. you, the, the, the quick and easy route, just throw them in the trash. <laughs> You just have this anger today, Wit. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with you. When I woke up this morning, I chose violence. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know this, this was a choice you made every morning. <laughs> <laughs> but especially today. This is the bandwidth. <laughs> Welcome to the bandwidth, brothers. <laughs> All right. We may have to edit that. Maybe not. No. Right. So, what, what what do you have going on this week? You and I have talked just briefly about uh, some of the cards on your list, but 
I'm, I'm actually on board with you regarding your discussion today. So today's topic is the Vintage Vault. Wit, you have a really awesome perspective on places to sink money. So go ahead and I'll let you hold forth here for a few minutes. Sweet. So yeah, so we were going to go with get witty with it or get witty with it originally, but uh, after some good deep theological discussions and all this mm. other buttery goodness, we decided to go with vintage vault. Actually, it was just like a quick last minute change, which just sounds good. Um, so so yeah, for the vintage vault, which basically also means you take old cards that are going to be that are good, they're solid, eat amazing picks. And you put them away for, you know, a year, five years, 10 years, not something you have to worry about reprints. And these are things that you don't have to worry about, um, you know, drastically declining in price over time. This is like your long, these are like your long-term hold. So I've got one pick this week, but it's not one pick. It's actually four picks. The car that I am calling out for this week is Mishra's Factory. This is the Antiquities pick. Uh, this is both, the, those are the four seasons. This is spring, summer, fall, and winter. So for those who are, mm-hmm. for those who know about like some of the car, you know, card preferences I like, I like the four sets that are, you know, Antiquities, um, Legends, The Dark, and uh, Arabian Nights. So those are like the four that I absolutely love. And this is, these cards are in Antiquities. So Mitra's Factory, it's, um, obviously you have four seasons, spring, summer, fall, winter, and it's and currently their market values is spring is $75, the summer is $213, the fall is $190, and the winter is $695. This is on April 20th as we are recording. So, and, and some people in band, in band, they have heard me talk about this before, but and but this is this is what I recommend. So the reason I suggest these cards, first off, is that they are iconic to collectors, and they're iconic to those who are part of the very old school players, especially people that love antiquities. Um, the thing also is I'm noticing. So the reason I'm bringing them up, especially today, is I've been watching MT, uh, on MTG stocks. I've been watching in the band newspaper. Over and over and over again, these cards keep popping up. You know, if it's not spring, you know, it'll be summer. If it's not summer, it's fall. And winter shows up every now and then. So we are still seeing movement. The supply is low. Um, Now, I will say these are not reserveless, though. That's the only one thing I would give a a warning to. but But I'm not concerned because reprints just won't hurt them. Because these cards... They don't care. They don't care about reprints. You could even have the same artwork, and it still won't be affected by a reprint. At least not that hard. Um, because I mean, we've seen Ultimate Master. Uh, sorry, Eternal Masters. We've also seen Modern Horizons Two. We've seen Precons repeat reprint this card over and over, and it's not affecting the prices. If anything, these still continue to go up. And I would argue that in the long run. I would say each of these cards will probably double, if not triple, over pr- on price. So, I would pr- say that sometime in the next five, eight, maybe even ten years, winter will be a thousand dollars easy, if not higher, and the other seasons probably between four, four to five, maybe even six hundred dollars. So that's kind of what I'm seeing on the 
you know, that's on the Mishra's factories. Uh, gentlemen, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm just, I'm just looking at the, at the images on Scryfall. I absolutely love Scryfall as a way to look at images. And one of the things I'm noticing is that fall is the one that is reprinted quite a bit. Um, it, it's really holding up, uh, in fourth. And so that's, that's the art that is kind of, maybe we stay away from it, but even still compared to spring, it's still really doing well, you know, as far as price it goes, as far as holding price, it's not going to be slowed down, but it definitely is one that we have to kind of pause and go, is this going to change at all? Right. Well, so you say that fall might be the one to stay away from, but fall right now, TCG player only has 22 listings. Like there's mm-hmm. just, it's actually got the least amount of listings between the four. If anything, the one I think that has probably the slowest growth, but the easiest buy-in would be the spring, which has 76 listings as low as 40 bucks, which I believe that's a damaged copy. So spring has the lowest, and I think it's the, probably the lowest demand of the four. Mm-hmm. But it's I would still call it out as a very as a very solid pick because if someone wants to collect the winter and let's say someone's got winter and summer, they are very likely to want to grab the fall and the spring unless like, of course they sell them. Right. But yeah, I do agree. Like the the artworks are just beautiful, especially it's just cool seeing the same location with four different seasons. You have you will never you don't see that in any other um card. So as we've been holding on to some of these long-term holds, we've also have to really recognize that there is a format that is demanding a lot of shifts right now. Uh, when we look across the grand scheme of Magic the Gathering right now, we're seeing a shift from really from EDH demand to now a real high demand on Pioneer. Uh, that is happening because, and if I may interject for just a few moments, because the dream hack tournament rcq qualifier season starts july 2nd and runs until september 24th now this qualifier is all about dreamhack atlanta which is happening in november uh just before thanksgiving so november 18th through 20th you can come out and there'll be 48 pro tour invites given out at that dreamhack top 48 is able to to make it into the pro tour Everybody wants in. Everybody wants to play. Everybody is wanting to chase the dream again. And so the Pioneer format is really driving a lot of the cards that are that are seeing movement right now. A lot of people are looking at Streets of New Capenna. They're looking at Neon Kamigawa, and they're saying, these are the cards that we need to be able to play. So with that in mind, Wolf, what are you seeing in our week in review? Alrighty, so I'm going to redefine the rules a little bit right off the bat. So I know this is my singles review, but I thought it would just be really fun to compare Nuka Pena to um, Neon Kamigawa, just because Aussie hmm. just came out with um, the, you know their, their I think it was their Q1 report or whatever it was, and essentially uh, Neon Kamigawa. Is one of the best-selling sets of all time. It's been doing absolutely phenomenal. I think we all are well aware of this, uh, just in general. So what I wanted to do is I just wanted to compare, because Nuka Pena has not come out yet. However, we do get to see pre-sales for it. So what I did is I went back to the same period in time, right before Kamigawa Neon Dynasty came out, and just compared the 
the sales numbers. And what was kind of shocking to me, because at first I looked at Nuka Penna and I was like, nah, you know, it, I, I don't think it looks as fun or as good as, as Kamigawa. However, it is selling selling more. Just It's generating more revenue. Uh, Kamigawa, the collector booster boxes sold 17,000 during the comparable week. Nuka Penna is selling 20,000. Um, the set booster displays, and I apologize, I am going to have to say all these versions, I'm not very familiar with them, but they all do get their own uh, unique identifier. So the set boosters for Nuka Penna also sold 21,000, or uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty was only 16,000. Uh, and in, mm. the disparity only gets uh, more drastic from there. So uh, I think, you know, we are getting into that tax return season. Uh, so I'm my personal take on this is that just uh, even though I don't think New Capenna is as good of a set, uh, people seem to be very keen just to, you know, they had a great time with Neon Dynasty and they seem keen to, to keep that rolling forward so much so that uh, it looks like obviously we'll see the staying power of New Capenna and, and how it how it uh, compares because Kamigawa has done a spectacular job. Uh, at least so far, but uh, I just found that to be, uh, I don't know, a cool little oddity worth worth thinking about and maybe just tossing the ideas around. What do you guys think? It surprises me, really, um, because of just how well-received Neon Kamigawa was, and now we're seeing Capenna getting a lot of love as well. I mean, honestly, the set itself is really solid, and, and I'm going to guess that maybe one of the reasons that the... Uh, that Capenna is getting a lot of love is for one, I think we're seeing a, once again, that momentum carrying on like what you said, but also it could be maybe the push from the commander decks because we have the, we have five pre-cons, one representing each family. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Like it's, it's again, like the set was solid. I mean, seeing the lineup a couple, you know, six months ago, seeing the lineup for sets, I thought that, you know, Neon Kamigawa and, Dominaria would be like the two big ones and Brothers War as well. I thought this would be the weakest of the set, uh, standard sets, but but yeah, here we are. Oh yeah, and then uh, another just I thought was kind of fascinating is the commander decks for New Capenna. Um, way, 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 like the demand for it is, is $10,000 more. So they definitely did a bit of a better job, I think, with the New Capenna just uh, commander decks. I did with Neon Dynasty, but uh, I'm only looking at the sales data. I don't know if it was actually fun or not. I'm wondering how much this is the return to in-store play. Mm. Because it's, I think people want to get cards in hand now. I, I really think they do. They, New Capenna has so many more EDH demandable cards than Neon Kamigawa did. And I'm I'm reluctant to say that because Neon Kamigawa had so many EDH cards and they're seeing so much movement right now. And now New Capenna is doing even more. And it's just, it's just unbelievable to me that, that so many format shaping cards could be in a single set. We, we look at, we look at a set like Modern Horizons 2 and I just, I, I thought that that would just shift modern completely, which it did, but Nuka Penna is doing that on its own as well. And Neon Kamigawa did it. 
but even more so it's, it's, it's really, f- <laughs> I'm just flabbergasted by how much it's changing the face of pioneer. It's changing the face of, of standard. It's changing the face of modern even. And these cards are just going into every single deck and it's just unreal to me. Well, and also like looking at how it's for, you know, changing format, the format as well as just reshaping in general. I would also say that it's also in a healthy way too, because especially in comparison to some of the situations we've seen in the past, like you guys remember Oath of the Gatewatch and how that changed uh, modern. Oh, I don't remember that actually at all. That was before. Eldrazi. Oh, yeah, gotcha. yeah, completely warped the format where it was like one, one, you know, it was like one top eight was like 75% Eldrazi, 25% uh, yeah. affinity that had a, that had strong sideboards against Eldrazi. I won so many tournaments with Eldrazi Tron. Well, not Eldrazi Tron, but just modern Eldrazi during that Eldrazi winter. It was great. I loved it. But yeah, I would say, I would say though, like, yeah, at least the changes that we're seeing, you know, the cards that are being brought out, like I know that Watsy gets a lot of criticisms for, you know, misbalances and, you know, issues with certain cards and how they print them. But I would say that I would, I would toss them the, this bone that I think they're doing a good job in creating cards that are strong and desirable for competitive formats like Pioneer and Modern that also are usable and desired by those players, but not completely breaking formats like they did before. I feel like they've at least learned their lesson to some extent. We can hope. We can only hope. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think it is, well, either way, it's just, I think what's really nice, and I think this is going to be just a, kind of a common theme, at least throughout my whole section, is just that uh, there is clearly demand for these these competitive play staples coming back. It's not just, uh, I think I said this exact phrase before cast, it's not just uh, EDH, drunk driving the bus anymore. Every, like There is clearly diversified demand, and it's it's good to see, I think. It's nice to get back to the quote unquote normal of uh of just the the mix of of people just playing not just EDH but you know there are other formats to play too I think that's very telling for us in in MTG finance because we're recognizing and adjusting to the market as it happens and we need to be able to communicate those things we need to be able to learn and evolve otherwise we we miss the bus these cards are moving. We have to adapt to the market. What else are you seeing moving right now, Wolf? Well, uh, just on a lark here, I was curious. It looks like um, TCG players up to doing 400k in revenue a day, and they're pushing mm-hmm. the expected orders uh, back in January into February was around 6,000. They're up to averaging 8,000 magic orders a day. So there is just an overall increase in attention to Magic the Gathering again general seasonality we can expect that but holler it out all the same um you want to also call out though because you know modern horizons 2 very very important set um yeah there is a lot of just buying of the cheaper cards right now and i just want to specifically note ignoble hierarch is actually the number one selling card out of modern horizons 2 right now in terms of copies sold and yet it went down in value, even though it sold 400 plus copies. 
that is really amazing to me that that price point is still going down, but it just kind of hammers home to me that uh, people are buying this for play, but the amount of depth of supply on this card has not even been cracked yet. So I just wanted to keep an eye out if that is sustained uh, demand on the market. Um, I mean, at the $4.30 price tag right now, that, that has a pretty decent uh, growth opportunity if that gets any traction um, but underneath that we have Esper Sentinel then we had Dothy Voidwalker Yavamaya, Hearth and Home, Sanctum Weaver which was a weird one and then finally Urza Saga so it's actually fascinating to see that Urza Saga has uh, really fallen in terms of the ranking in terms of copies sold However, if we flip it on its head and look at the revenue that's produced, obviously Saga is by far the most expensive one there, and it still still retains that top slot in terms of, of revenue generated. But seeing a lot more just general diversity from this set than than we've been seeing um, historically since basically the set release. So uh, interesting to to see it. Yeah, the demand for this is really coming from modern right now. The Golgari Yagmoth deck is absolutely fantastic. It is actively sacking your own creatures to be able to ping their entire board and then be able to attack in with infinite life gain, infinite life loss uh, for your opponent. It's just fun. Also on that note, just the fetch lands in general, uh, specifically uh, Scalding Tarn. But all of them, just in general, they, as a combination, um, and as a side reference, I, and I think anybody who actually sells magic cards at decent volume will will tell you this, but uh, I did a fancy review a few months back, uh, and the moral of that story was just that the demand profile for Fetchlands is very strong together. So if somebody's going to buy a Fetchland, they're going to buy two or three at such an alarming consistency that the entirety of the rest of the magic market can't even hold a candle to how consistent that behavioral pattern is from consumers. So mm-hmm. um, the fact that Fetchlands in general are picking up right now is, again, I think a testament to the return to play, but it's also really difficult to probably find these, I would say, at uh, good prices. But I think, just from what I've seen, if you can get any kind of deal on them, the basically the rate of churn on them is going to be absolutely fantastic and they will sell together and right now they're generating i think 30 grand a week in revenue of only the modern horizons 2 fetch lands the poor man's version no foiling so there's there's a good deal of money to be had just in that one pool of cards right now especially especially as people are stocking up on them well as far as i'm aware i don't think we have any upcoming fetchland release is happening i don't think we're getting any more fetches anytime soon is that correct uh, as far as i know i think you're correct right i mean obviously watsy could throw a curveball and throw it in like double masters 2 or something but i mean in regards to the fetches and shocks i think the thing the only thing we know that's coming up is you know much later this year we have uh infinity which is going to have the shock lands but as far as i'm aware though like yeah fetch lands seem like they're solid and not, you know, reprintable right now. I shouldn't say reprintable, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, usually what we see is a three-year pattern of selling a specific set, and then it's another two years of waiting for them to come out again. Now, that may have shifted over the past, you know, few years, but 
If we take a look at the pattern of magic history, fantastic. You know, absolutely love getting into fetch lands, love being able to sell them when they're at their peak just before reprint. And then reprint happens, you buy back in. They do a great job of, I think, teaching uh, cycles, seasonality, uh, consistent, consistent sine wave here, up and down. So takes some patience, but really doesn't get much safer than that. Again, you wanted to mention the uh, the slow lands. I did. I I'm just holding out hope. Uh, <laughs> can I say that? I you know I'm I'm interested in in slow lands for a couple of reasons. Number one. It's usually a three of that they play it in. Um, this is pioneer fixing that really goes along with shocks and fast lands. And so the slow lands just offer an untapped dual land source later on in the in the game. People are usually playing it as a three of, not as all four, unless you're in a control deck. All that to be said, slow lands seem like like they just aren't seeing as much movement as as I think they should. And when I think about Pioneer, that's the kind of land that I want to have. So we're going to have fast lands, we're going to have shocks, and then the number three choice is going to be slow lands. The shocks slowly go up over time. They usually hit about the $20 mark. You know, Knowing that they're coming out in Infinity, we probably won't see the shocks get that high before uh, they start to crash again. Also, fast lands are, are generally a whole lot cheaper. So... Mm. Just take that with, with a grain of salt. I think Slowlands could see a larger price. I know that the buy list is creeping up on TCG, uh, on the TCG mm-hmm. buy list side. But, you know, I, I really think that they should be more than $5 a piece. It's, so actually, as you were saying this, I was just I was pulling up the the deck list for band thing that I, I have, which is also pinned in mm-hmm. channels if anybody wants to look at that. But I think what's fascinating is looking at modern and their deck, you know, their tournament deck list results and and how I rank their the the meta cards and how how many copies show up. It's dominated by lands. Uh, you know, Besiege mm-hmm. who endures. We'll get more into that. But Steam Vents, Misty Rainforest, Skelding Tarn, Mountains, Wooden Foothills, Forests, Bloodstained Mire. Like, lands dominate modern. So I think it it's not a far cry to expect that as as Pioneer kind of settles in, uh, even though there is you know, less demand in general right now, if we look at the latest tournament results, it's not, I don't see really any lands in the, the top, well, my goodness, even 15, 20 cards played. Rogrin Triome and Steam Vents and Temple Gardens, but they're way down at uh, like the 20s ranking. So I think it's not a far cry at all to to see as the the format kind of solidifies and and better decks and colors kind of uh, settle in to to see the lands kind of rise in value. Mm-hmm. So this is this is me talking from a from a seller's point of view. I I really think that they're going to go up to 10 and then down to five when they reprint again. You know, they're just set up to reprint hundreds of times. But I think if you can get in at the three to five dollar mark, buying it from people or having it tossed in when you do trades or or something along those lines, then you watch it go back up. And mm-hmm. then you sell out and you get your fifteen percent out of the fees and there you make three or four bucks. You know, it's it seems like a pretty solid deal to me. It's it's definitely a, a gamble that has some risk, but I mean I like the I like the thesis. 
So we've seen a lot of cards move this past week. What are you seeing, Wolf, through your data? Oh, I get to talk everyone's ear off today. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Good way to start the day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it makes me feel important, which is also very important. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> the number one card that's selling out of uh, uh, Kamigawa Neon Destiny this week, which, you know, it's the latest set still that's out, is actually... The one that Ken, you called out. You're you're just hitting them. You're setting them up and knocking them down. You had Chandra dressed to kill, which is doing phenomenal. A couple weeks back, and then you called this one out. Fable of the Mirror Breaker, which I didn't even know what this card was when you when you mentioned it last week. But that is the number one selling card out of the set in terms of copies sold. Obviously not revenue, but yeah, it's it broke that five dollar threshold, and it is it's selling at quite the clip. And it's just uh, you know it's. A, been Besiju who endures basically the entire time the set's been out, both revenue and copies sold, um, mm-hmm. or at least in the ballpark, usually in the top three, and it's still there. But uh, just interesting to see the Mirror Breaker take that number one slot for this week. It'd be curious to see if it holds. And uh, obviously, we're we're still seeing the Besiju who endures, the Odawara Soaring City, um, and then there was one other which I had to look up before the cast, but it is also seeing some um, pioneer play, and that is the red one. Um, the Sokazan. Uh, am I saying mm-hmm. that right? Um, that one is is dirt cheap, but it's actually seeing a good bit. Uh, so- Sokazan Crucible of Defiance. Uh, that one is actually seeing a good bit of play in pioneer, so interesting. Just to just to want to point that out, and it's, it's selling 300 copies a week, so Keep an eye on that one, even though that is dirt cheap. That's one I might look for a buy list play on. But uh, yeah, yeah, I really love um, Sokazan. It's seeing play in a couple of modern decks and mono red pioneer. Uh, it's mm. it's a two of in that deck, but we're also seeing it in things like like is it dragons in standard, which mm. is just a fun deck to play. Being able to get in on Sokazan either through any buy list or through trades or things like that is, I think is a good idea because you'll also be able to out it to buy list as well. Mm-hmm. But Besiju who endures, I thought the bus set sail on this um, because it's, it's at a $20 price point, mm-hmm. but really if you can get in now, even, you know, it's going to be a, a 30, $40 card for EDH once it goes out of print. Right. Yeah, the. I mean, I don't disagree with that statement. the The time to get there is is more the concerning thing. I. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one where basically when somebody cracks it, you offer them sixty percent, you make your immediate money. This is not one. The. This is not the vintage vault. This is immediate flipping. Right. I think because um, it it just doesn't make sense to carry that risk on a card like this. Yeah, because I mean, the thing is, like, this is still a card in standard. This could get reprinted in a. Uh... You know, one of those standard pre-con decks that they do once a year. This, yeah, there's a lot of ways that this could get snuck in on a reprint. I mean, it's still really great, but again, it's a little bit of a game of hot potato. But assuming it doesn't get reprinted, though, yeah, I could easily see this becoming 30, 40 bucks. Could even see it as high as 50. So I'm, I'm being corrected right now. We're seeing buy lists at 22 for 95 MTG. But I'm seeing prices on eBay right now. Buy it now in the 20s, low 20s. It's not uncommon at all. But what it does do is it raises the floor 
uh, basically, if you want to buy these cards, and anybody who's got an internet connection or half a brain, um, which is admittedly not really the the industry standard, but uh, it does make it competitive. It builds the floor for the card, but it also makes it difficult to get under that yourself. So, I mean, obviously, if you can source it on an arbitrage play, or you're able to buy a stack, or basically get something out of distro, easy money. But uh, it just makes it kind of competitive to to acquire and then also to flip. And so if Bylist is at 22 and it's selling at 25 on uh, TCG player and you can buy them for 22, everybody's buying at the same price right now. So, um, I mean, even when you're selling it right now, you're probably losing money. The Bylist is actually 22. So it's kind of fascinating. Why are there so many copies? Why are there so many copies that are damaged on TCG player right now? Do you know how hard it is when I sit down at a white tail? I got to put a play mat down. I got to put the card in a sleeve. I can't write sharpies on it. I mean, that, that takes a lot of self restraint and planning. It's very hard to do. Yeah, I'm sorry, I f- forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So the only other thing that I'll, I'll just holler out, um, uh, you know, just uh, throw it out there is uh, deadly dispute out of um, AFR. That one, Adventures of the Forgotten Realm. Uh, that's a common that moved from $3 to $4 and is selling 600 copies a week. So, yeah, that's a thing. That's uh, kind of crazy to me that a common out of a standard set, uh, also I think speaks to the strength of that set, but um, <laughs> that that's a card. That is a $5 common. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, you know, that's a thing. Be aware of it. We're we're talking pennies today. <laughs> talking pennies. Hey, I'm never too scared to make it hail. My <laughs> father can. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Alright. Is there anything else you gentlemen would like to add today? Go out and get your Matrix factories. Oh. <laughs> right here. Bye. Bye. Buy it now. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> oh, you guys are knocking it down. You, you got the Time Seed one last time wit in uh, Ken again. You had the Chandra's. You called Karn. You guys are, you guys are setting them up to knock them down. You had, uh, what was it, Guy's Touch? Or what was that one? Yep, yep. Yeah, it's funny because like, I, I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to probably take a couple years. Like, a couple days later, it's doubled in price. I'm like, all right. You that's... clearly bought it out. I see what you're doing. Evil speculator. Uh, yes. <laughs> Controlling the market. Just No, I, I already had like over 100 copies. No, you, know, no, you don't have to excuse yourself. Obviously, we're the evil cabal. We understand and we support you. That's that's our group. However, oh, oh if you're going on Reddit, oh, be, 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 you know, it's coming. You'd have to be quite, you have to be quite prideful to be on Reddit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And I want to thank everybody for joining us today here at the Band Arbitrage Network. We hope that you have taken some time to be able to learn a little bit more about MTG Finance. I want to thank you for taking part of your day. If you'd like to learn more or check us out, please go to Twitter and check us out at MTG underscore band. Check us out on our website, mtgband.com, or you can join us on the Discord via the Patreon. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day. We hope that you've learned a lot. Enjoy the rest of your day.